0: This is Defender CV podcast episode 104 where we're looking at Spider-Man 2002 where we see Tobey Maguire What's up Defenders? Welcome back. This is Defenders TV podcast episode 104 where we will be doing a spoiler filled discussion on the one that kicked it all off Spider-Man from 2002 where we saw Tobey Maguire get into spandex. Probably the best way (laughs) of putting it.
1: I'm one of your hosts Chris. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Yeah, welcome back for for defenders for our Spider Man coverage.
2: Yes, welcome to your uh, friendly neighborhood podcast. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, John.
0: And yeah, as the guy said, this is our summer of Spidey. So for those of you who are just joining us, um, we are going to do a summer of Spidey, which is twofold. One, it's summertime, so unfortunately we're going to be on holidays. We're taking a short break. Some of us are traveling to unique destinations, mm. but at the same time, we're also going to be covering the Spider-Man films, all leading to Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, which releases in early July, depending on what country and where you're living.
1: Exactly. Um, And this is a very special treat for one of our hosts, isn't it? Happy birthday, Chris.
0: Ah, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All
1: of our listeners, just so you know, Chris has uh, has just uh, had a birthday. Uh, Just yesterday, we're recording our Spider-Man coverage, really because Chris is our biggest Spider-Man fan amongst all of our gang.
2: Right? Absolutely. May all your web-slinging dreams come true.
0: <laughs> so you want me to be bitten by a radioactive spider? Game power is perfect. I, I'm actually quite happy with yeah, that. That is my I mean, dreams. Exactly.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, everyone would like that. You suddenly get the Marvel apps Perhaps, as well. Absolutely, but judging by I this know. film, the cleaning
1: bill for your room would be awful.
0: I know, the webs.
2: <laughs> they, they, there was one everyone. point, you just...
0: yeah. Yeah, well, it depends on whether we're going, are we going organic or are we going uh, mechanized web swingers or web shooters? But that's a whole other story. Certainly is. Uh, So let's kick into it. For those of you who have never uh, listened to our podcast, the way that we usually do things are these are very spoiler filled. Mm -hmm. So we would ask you to go. Quickly check out uh, the film first and then pop back to us if you want to listen to our dulcet tones. Um, We're going to be reviewing the movies, so we're going to do Spider-Man 1, 2 and 3. In the Tobey verse, if you want to call it that. <laughs> like we will then probably, um, around the launch date of Homecoming, release our spoiler-filled discussions on Homecoming. And if we can get enough time in, we're going to also wrap up the Summer of Spidey with the with the lovely Garfield Amazing Spider-Mans 1 and 2.
1: That's where Spider-Man goes out to
2: lasagna, isn't it? It is, yeah, yes. It is, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, this, this one, he goes out for pizza, so it's fine. Yeah, nice, nice. I think
2: Odie's in uh, the, the other uh, Spider-Man, and a, a guy called John. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. Uh, I don't remember the Garfield
1: ones very well, but what I do remember is Spider-Man 2002. This was an awesome film back at the time. These don't connect to Spider-Man Homecoming. Spider-Man Homecoming, obviously, as you probably know, connects to the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies like Captain America Civil War, where we saw... Uh, the first appearance of the new Spider Man. So, uh, so we are going to fly through these. These are going to be much quicker podcasts than we normally
2: do for our movies, but we're still really looking forward to talking about it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And of course, if you have uh, found us unexpectedly in anticipation for Homecoming, then please subscribe and uh, leave a review if you want to uh, over at Defenders TV Podcasts forward slash iTunes or search Defenders TV Podcast on any other good podcast catcher and of course we'll have all our defenders marvel netflix defenders stuff coming out uh in august and Mm -hmm. of course then there's our back catalogue of daredevil jessica jones luke cage and iron fist as well oh yeah
0: and we've also covered some of the 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 other mcu films so if you want to in the lead up to homecoming if you want to check out some of the mcu coverage that we've done feel free to check them out on our podcasts as well
1: yeah, absolutely. So, highly recommend checking out our Civil War coverage to hear Chris's first thoughts of the new Spider-Man as well. Yes.
0: I know. And now, in just a few mere weeks, I will get to see MCU Spider-Man in his truest form, in his homecoming, if you will, mm-hmm. to the MCU and with other characters and Uncle Tony in all his blazing <laughs> glory. Um, but guys, I think it's time we kick off and bring everyone into what can only be described as the one that kicked out, started it all. Some say X Men started it all, but personally, this was the one for me—the original, the genesis quoi, if you will, <laughs> of uh, Marvel superhero films that so, weren't even owned by Marvel at that point.
1: The Blade, then.
0: Yes. Yes,
1: yes. <laughs> oh, no Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Spider-Man 2002. You called it the Maguire verse or the Toby verse a minute ago. Really this movie is the Sam Raimi verse. This is this is Sam Raimi, a director known for lots of really great horror films. If you've never seen Evil Dead um or Evil Dead 2 or Army of Darkness, go ahead, check them out, really good horror films. He also did Drag Me to Hell, a fantastic horror film, really creepy, really cool, uh, really enjoyable. So this was really his vision. He was a huge comic book fan, as you can probably, we'll get into it, I'm sure, but as you can probably see from a lot of the shots that are taken from comic books and big arcs of uh, of Spider-Man and Peter Parker, uh, Sam Raimi, a huge, huge fan. So it was great to have him on board. I think everybody was very surprised that he jumped into doing superhero films after doing over 18 horror movies for years. I think we'll see. Uh, see what we think he got. Uh, the movie was written by David Coop, so one writer on this movie. Um, he's done some stunning yeah, films yeah. in the past. He did Mission Impossible. He did Jurassic Park, the first movie. He did uh, the new Mummy, the new movie, the Mummy that's just out in the cinema at the moment with Tom Cruise. So uh, that we're not getting the greatest of reviews,
0: but it is the one that was kicking off the whole Universal Dark. Universe, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I suppose. So, right. again, he starts a uh, what this was planned to be a universe originally the Spider Man verse. Um, mm-hmm. so again, another actually, hold on if we're saying this, he's done, he's started three now four uh universes,
1: yeah, yeah, big, big franchises, definitely. Yeah, so the person that you want to have, uh, have your franchise in the hands yeah. of, I suppose, and um,
2: God. <laughs> pretty much. creator yeah. of franchises
1: of, creator of universes a Billion
2: dollar blockbusters
1: I like it hey. uh, One note here as well This was released in uh, 2002 Which was the 40th anniversary of Spider-Man uh, The creation of the Spider-Man character So uh, that was done as a big anniversary movie as well uh, The movie stars Tommy maguire Kirsten Dunst, James Franco and Willem Dafoe Uh, in all of the major roles there's some interesting interesting casting in this movie as well so uh, we'll get into it john do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis of the episode
2: sure Spider-Man centers on a student, Peter Parker, played by Tobey Maguire, who, after being bitten by a genetically altered spider, gains superhuman strength and the spider-like ability to cling to any surface. He vows to use his abilities to fight crime with the mantra with great power comes great responsibility after the death of his beloved Uncle Ben. Peter begins to experiment with his new powers just as a green menace called Green Goblin begins to terrorize New York.
0: Let's kick off into our top five. For those of you who are, guys again, just joining us for the, the way, or this has been your first podcast, we usually keep, pick our top five points, discuss them. Um, typically, on when we're covering the, the, the Netflix universe, it would just be what we think the top five points are of that episode but with this film we're probably going to shake things up a bit just because again you guys know a lot of this already so Mm -hmm. we want to just focus on so we're going to talk about the origin the villain sporting characters then we'll go into character arc and then as always tie it up with a beautiful bow on the final battle oh yeah so that being the case guys do we want to talk about the origin yeah and i think john you put it best when you you said this (laughs)
2: The origin, yes, it's it's the thing we've seen a million times before. Um, but actually, it's it, I I loved it. I mean, I loved this film when it came out. Um, it really gave me a lot of uh, goosebumps. It just felt so uh, spectacular. Certainly, given the well, the Punisher, Blade, uh, and all that, the previous sort of Marvel uh, properties that had been on were much more kind of to characters which obviously not as big but this was epic um it it really was and i i liked having the origin again i think it's important to have that origin absolutely even though um you know it's a really well known one if you read comic books um and so on and i I, I think um I know I had said the origin uh, repeated itself somewhat, but <laughs> I, actually it's not really that, it's more to do with maybe the structure of these three films that we're about to look at. you know, it is very much sort of okay. The, it's villains and big boss fights ultimately mm-hmm. um and, and i suppose uh the way superhero films have gone now with the MCUing or of, of the verse um the marvel verse it it, it really you know they're, they're much more um conscious of that i think um because certainly maybe there was a little fatigue by three but i Absolutely loved this opening. It was good to see it sort of given new life, I think, ultimately. Mm -hmm. And um, it's something
1: that's told in in the original comic books in kind of a little panel. It's basically, you know, Peter Parker, young nerdy kid, um, has no luck with the girls, gets bitten by radioactive spider, gets spider powers. It's a really simple story of the origin of the character. And then he went on to essentially 60-odd years of of having spider-man as being probably the biggest most recognizable superhero i would say
2: um, yeah
0: I, I, he, he's up there with spider-man uh, superman and batman yeah very much so. big
2: time big time yeah. and of course um, you know, we have the start literally of uh, the Marvel abs in this. Uh, <laughs> in this, yeah, as well. it's
0: true. It's true. The spider bite gave me abs. Yeah, <laughs> it's <laughs> just like what, like that. We're pretty sure then, then like uh, the, the the other Chris's in the universe got spider bites as well. Oh yeah, um, but they're just hiding them better. That's that's the <laughs> secret to this. Basically, Raimi built a machine that when you get bitten by something, you get abs, and it's just continued on for years. Oh,
2: yeah. Exactly. It gave male insecurities about their physical form for, like, and it continues uh, to this day. To this day. Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Marvel. Yeah.
1: I keep hanging around in really dark rooms with webs all over them just trying
2: yeah. to get abs, I but mean, it never worked. I I'm, I'm kind of turning into Jessica Jones more than uh, uh, anyone with abs. I'm getting my bra going. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, Chris, what did you think of the, of the characterization of the, of the
2: origin in this film?
0: So I can tell you what I originally thought, and then again with this rewatching.
2: Yes. Yeah, so, so it's an origin of how you thought about the origin.
0: Yes, it is. It's the origin of the origin of the origin. Like wow. Try saying that three times fast. Um, so basically, when I first watched this film, I remember being a bit uh, a bit miffed, if you will, because they took some liberties with the overall. Um, kind of the origin as well, as a as a total. In that so there was no genetically enhanced spider That's right. being made with it. it was basically that it was, uh, they went, and they, again, it wasn't in a beautiful library where there was a, a science machine. <laughs> there was a, two, the original the original panels, as you said, made it beautiful, which was there was this energy conductor, there was two balls with a lightning kind of going through uh, some corner kind of reaction, and a spider just happens to go down through the beam and then lands on Peter as he takes the photo. Mm-hmm. They changed this, and now, basically this was the 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 origin of the cinematic kind of scripting of changing slight tweaks to comic books so the original fan in me when i first watched this went oh my
1: god how could they do this Uh." and we'll get
0: we'll get (laughs) well the bit where he so basically sam raimi he he took a lot of flack on this film for (laughs) the organic web shooters oh yeah which we, we can kind of jump into quickly now, but he made a very fair point. So in the comic books, P- Peter Parker does not have organic web shooters. He basically is a science genius who, after getting these powers, decides to and figures out a way of creating the, the actual webs. Yeah. Um, and then Sam Raimi, in interviews, when he was kind of being getting a lot of flack for the organic, deciding to go with organic web shooters, went, look, this is a 16-year-old you're expecting me to believe and our audience to believe that he is so such a genius that he came up with something that multi-billion dollar companies couldn't come up with in his basement when he's poor yeah and when you say that you're like oh okay yeah that actually makes okay it does make total fair, logical sense yeah. fair point i will take you, i will take you on that <laughs> um so for me the first time watching it i was very much like oh, oh they're changing everything but now i kind of seen it and the rewatching kind of it gave me those chills. It, this was the first this was the 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 this was the origin of origin stories.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it makes sense as well given that the spider and how he gets the powers that he would get some, you know, all the other physical manifestations of that bite and what happens to his his body that that's conceivably something that could happen. Mm-hmm. Like Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I didn't mind the organic uh, web-slingers and I suppose yeah.
0: I think it's I think it was the initial the, the initial nerd outrage in me oh, uh, yeah. how how dare this man change things. But so let's go on from my side of the spider bite. Let's move on to the costume and the actual um, the, the 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 cause of him becoming a vigilante. Absolutely. So, yeah. The costume
1: yeah. That if, lovely if, scene. If there's anything more unbelievable uh in this movie than uh than a man having uh, organic web shooters, it's th- that this kid has got that costume. There's no explanation for where he goes from getting stuff that he could probably buy on eBay uh yeah. and
2: then changes it up into this amazing looking costume. Uh I Yeah. I suppose we're just expected to believe that Tony Stark was somewhere in the background probably. Um, and that uh, Tony <laughs> didn't have the rights to him, but he he did something, or maybe uh, he yeah snuck into Harry Osborne's lab, and, uh, or his exactly. dad's lab, and, and just cooked something up, you know. <laughs> or he just went lycra. Like
0: yeah, exactly. Well, the My sister's a seamstress, right. and she. We were re- re, when I started the rewatching. She was there, and she has such an issue with this oh, yeah. piece because <laughs> it was like. So do you know how hard it is to work with that kind of spandex that they made? (laughs) Say, is like going like if he's not properly trained, he would have gone through reams of it. And you're going, actually, yeah, probably. But fair point. Look, the spider bite gave him delicate touch enough that he could sew. Like, maybe or maybe it's
2: web. Diet web and he just there we go yeah you know there you go we have solved the problem um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yes obviously what drives him into crime fighting as well chris yeah
0: yeah so this 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 always got me this is one of the probably one of the most recognized it has become an american or a pop culture uh adage or a kind of saying mm-hmm. uh, throughout the years because of this film and because of actually Spider Man. So uh I'm hoping you guys have watched it. So we see the whole the, the wrestling ring we see which is fantastic with like it the that whole piece where he stands aside as a thief, runs by him and says, Well it's not my problem. Yeah. Because this he was just given that by the wrestling promoter himself. So he kinda says, Well look like I'm not gonna put myself out there. We then cut to poor Uncle Ben
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, which was this was this was done that it, it was better carjacking again a slight liberty but overall not it didn't change things too much and poor Peter then runs to the aid of the dying Uncle Ben. Yeah. Now this this scene always gives me chills because this is the one where everyone has gifted to a million degrees, where it's just a single tear rolling down Toby Maguire's face. <laughs> but then it turns to anger as he decides to run after this uh, this this ragamuffin who has carjacked and killed Uncle Ben. Um, this for me is a brilliant. Piece. yes absolutely um because it teaches that great power comes great responsibility mm-hmm. and this is that that's the that, that's the line that i think has now you could say that to anyone uh, and they'll know that it, they'll either know how to finish it and know it comes from spider-man or they'll at least know how to finish it it's become such pop culture
1: absolutely it's so it's so iconic that it's now used when in a lot of origin stories of uh, of Uh, super people or super characters when people are reviewing them they kind of go well then they got the powers and of course with great power comes great responsibility it's how they it's it's almost a description of the entire superhero genre
2: yeah yeah it's so iconic i mean it is and in in some ways it it, it's it's like um it's almost like romeo and juliet or something like that in terms of what it sets up and the template that it gives you Mm -hmm. know it's become so iconic um you know you love it or you hate it or you, get you know, it, it's a victim of its own success sometimes in, in comics. It's like certainly when you're introducing new comics, and, you know, but then you get the spin on it um, from 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 other characters. But uh, yeah, it's it's such a good um, way of setting up this young character of Peter Parker with the death of his uncle Ben. And obviously what comes after as well with Aunt May as well. Um, It it is, you know, it just adds layers to that trauma that has, and the advice that has been given to him with with that, like, iconic line. Um, Like, I really think as well, just quickly, like rosemary harris i thought she was brilliant as may parker yeah as yeah. well like she really fitted that role i felt it so natural um and i like that interplay as well yeah yeah
0: yeah and that, that, that's perfect because that kind of brings us on to the, the kind of next point which is these supporting characters mm. the uncle ben's the aunt may's the harry osborne's the mary jane watson's that they, they are they are essential sorry and this is point two ladies and gentlemen who are listening to us on the podcast Spider-Man's whole universe his whole um, duality is that he is Peter Parker as much as he is Spider-Man yeah. so without Peter Parker and we, we see this a lot in uh, the actual second film which we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be releasing in the coming weeks mm-hmm. Um, when we review it the, without one there is no other Without without Spider Man, there is no Peter Parker. Without Peter Parker, there is no Spider Man. And Uncle Ben and Aunt May, they they are central to his kind of. They are central to who he is because when when Uncle Ben dies and leaves him with this mantra, it changes him and charges him to go forward and become this 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 crime fighting vigilante. Absolutely. But then, as John said, the, the the Aunt May character. Is the the widow? It's to be becomes the surrogate mother, with a degree, if you want to call it that, of kind of. Think she will always there to emotionally support him as things get rough.
1: Yeah, absolutely. She's not given enough credit in these in these films or in the comics, really, um, early on, as being no. the one that he needs to needs to have in his life. Someone that's driving him constantly as a young kid, uh, going through things he's never. Never thought he would ever go through, and even without her knowing that he's Spider-Man, she's able to help him through some really tough times. And yeah, I think she plays the part great uh, in this first film. Definitely.
0: Yeah. So let's bring this on to the, the, another, uh, another a, a, a tiger in the Spider-Man verse. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mary Jane Watson. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Again, MJ. Um, I always thought this was really interesting when they they started this one, and um, they never went with Gwen Stacy. That's right. In these ones, which I always thought was a different way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, for our comic book fans, um, you, you'll know and understand what I'm talking about. For those who don't, um, Gwen, Sen- Gwen Stacy was the original girlfriend, the girl next door for Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, Mary Jane Watson wasn't introduced till quite later on in the, the, the I think it was the late 70s, early 80s. Um, she was there, but she was not the the romantic interest yeah. for, it was uh, after spoiler alert, Gwen Stacy dies in the comic books that um, the, that paved the way for or the opening for, uh, for MJ to uh, go after Peter. So I always thought this was a strange one to go after with or, or to use within one of these origins. But it does make sense when you kind of break it down that she is like uh, the, the red-headed um, the redheaded, how do you got a dreamer who wants to be an actress, mm-hmm. uh, again, is another part of Peter's life. And it, it makes sense that where they wanted to build this universe and go with it That's to have her there.
1: Like she is all she, in the comic books at the time, definitely, she was she was a, an iconic figure in the Spider Verse. I think at that stage, sadly, Gwen Stacy probably been forgotten a little bit. The storyline yeah. of Gwen Stacy, she's one of the characters that never came back uh, early on, or uh, at the time anyway. Um, and Mary Jane Watson had become a huge figure in the comic book. She had been married to Peter in the comic book. So um, so it feels like when you do a movie, uh, you do pick a character that's kind of a big, iconic character. They have loads of history together and loads of storylines to tell. So I think they did choose the right character in, in
2: bringing in uh, Mary Jane. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And they have a considerable history over these three films. Yeah, certainly. So, oh wow I, like have I, a I did like her
1: storyline as well the fact that she's going out with the with the high school jock who's always beating up peter she lives next door to peter and she's being told that she's trash every day he can overhear those those uh her, her being shouted at all the time so he actually knows her far better than her yeah. boyfriend does as well so.
2: yeah like this i think this is the strongest film out of the three uh with for mj mm-hmm. um like I think you really get a sense of where she's coming from uh what she you know she's she she's being told she's trash she's trying to build you know she's dating a rich jock she's you know she dreams of broadway uh being an actress and so on you you see the aspiration i i think this this film really um i think gives her background, gives her, her reason in this universe and her relationship with, um, Peter Parker really, really well. I think it's slightly. Uh, degenerates over spider-man 2 and 3 to be honest and it's not the actress's fault i think it's the writing it becomes massively stereotypical i think um but i think in this film she's really really good and even just the the relationship with harry osborne as well uh that 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 sort of triangle i think is really good and that's one of the neat things i like that moves through actually all three films Mm. uh, is is you know these three high school friends, obviously going in different directions and being uh torn apart, brought back together, and so on uh it's really good yeah absolutely and speaking
1: speaking of that, that is the heart of the movie, so the other major character is harry osborne as you as you mentioned um so harry as as peter's best friend chris yeah so
0: um i loved i always loved Harry as a character. Um, just in that he he was such a, a a different he was on the different side of the tracks to peter yeah so he is uh the son of the billionaire that is norman osborn um yet he has a wild streak and get, has been kicked out of every private school there is and ends up because of where they're living in the same borough or public school as peter but because they are both outcasts, one being so rich and one being so poor and nerdy they they form this kind of friendship mm-hmm. uh and this banter and Toby McGuire and James Franco kind of very really portray these two characters quite well in the the kind of banter they have back and forth, like very much the sibling brother um kind of relationship yeah that the, 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 there is that kind of I'll look out for you, you look out for me. Um, which, as you kind of does deteriorate over the course of films, and then is regrown and then deteriorates again, um, as kind of John mentioned. Yeah. But I I, I love Harry Osborne in this.
1: Yeah. I like, I like the idea of the jealousy between uh, Harry and Peter as well. So they are best friends. They 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 have developed a very close relationship. But I like the jealousy between uh, Harry and Peter when Peter starts to get into the good graces of Norman Osborne, the other major character in the movie.
2: Yeah, I mean William Defoe is like always does crazy well. Um loved loved his portrayal of Norman Osborne sort of becoming unhinged uh, as he's exposed to that serum where he turns into obviously the the crazy psychotic uh, green goblin. Um really enjoyed it. Yeah, and that's kind of our big third point is
1: obviously the villain. So we've done the hero, we've done the supporting characters and the villain of this piece is is Green Goblin, so a great choice from the comic books. A huge character in in Spider Man mythology. He's been around for for decades, uh, always popping back up. Um, but this is uh, this is Norman Osborn as. Uh, as uh, his creation and his origin what do you think of the the origin of the story of him
0: uh so for me this this was it was an interesting so it, it's a, a different take it's actually pulled from i believe it was pulled from the ultimate universe right and uh, in the style that was it was given in that he it was a serum that gave him and actually they don't even touch on it it was supposed to have been super soldier serum of course Failed, of course, because that 's who everyone wants to be Captain America, mm-hmm. um, but I, I did like this. I, I liked him being the the, the the almost mad scientist, if you will, yeah kind of kind of pushing back on a lot of it, going, well, it 's ready for human testing, well it's not, but we 'll do it anyway yeah uh, i 'll test it on myself. Um, William Defoe plays the character fantastically, the scene where he jumps from the glass. Um, and kind of grabs the neck of the doctor after just inhaling all the serum yes. and coming back to life is fantastic.
1: And again, um, it, it speaks to the sensibilities of a horror director here. Um, you know, yes. Oh, yeah. You cast someone like Willem Dafoe when you want to scare the hell out of your audience and Willem Dafoe does a great job. I think uh, I think the, the memes of, uh, of Willem Dafoe started at this point onwards when he became the scariest thing you can see in a film. Yeah,
0: and he he he's able to pull off the the duality that is supposed to be the the green goblin. I really think they that just gave him
1: two scripts and asked one of his personalities to read one and one to read the other. <laughs> yes, and exactly. They and they never it makes, actually
0: it, it was, No, no, and they didn't actually even film the, the the scenes at the same time. Just changing cameras. It was just one. It was just two different takes. Exactly. Um, but yeah, no. That scene where he's in his uh, mansion on the top, up one of the upper floors, and they're looking at the mirror. So you have the camera panned at the m- two different mirrors, mm-hmm. and then you see William Defoe talking to himself. Yeah. But in these two different voices, two different styles, like that is why you cast that character, or cast that actor as this kind of psychotic, broken, uh, intellectual genius. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would have enjoyed so again, this is being the comic book cynic in me in this again is it's an origin, I get it, but uh in the comic books, Norman Osborne is so he the duality is gone at this point in our in where we are in comic books today. He is just evil psychotic, but he's able to be that really amazing businessman front man have like everyone think he's normal. Uh, in the comic books, and I would have loved that where except like you you only see that at the very end yeah. of of the this actual the final battle where the the evil psychotic Green goblin is able to make his voice and seem like the original Norman Osborne,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah absolutely, uh, what did you think of the character arc let's let's move on to to point four, so obviously we've talked about all the characters now, but what the actual journey of peter from um from the beginning when he gets the powers to going through that development, learning about the idea of with great power comes great responsibility and then having to take on this huge threat to the city of New York.
2: I, I love the fun way that they treated him, you know, jumping from rooftop to rooftop, really experimenting with his, um, with his newfound powers. So cool. Like, it's what everyone would do and I thought they captured that really, really well. And mm-hmm. then, obviously, it just gets darker and darker and I think that's really down to just how interwoven these characters that are in this first film and and particularly that you know norman has this soft spot for peter it's you know there is that kind of idea that he's the son uh he would have wanted because he's you know he enjoys his science so you could see him fit into the company he feels like harry is just being like, annoying and so on. Um, but obviously then that he becomes suspicious of Peter, Peter becomes suspicious of him, and obviously moving through to um, the the finale, but there's that complication of the fact that they know one another and Peter is best friends with Harry. And I think that just is so really good it just adds different layers to their confrontation in that final battle Absolutely. and I think it really adds to the 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 arc that Peter has to go through because it's much more conflicted it, it, it's much more dangerous for him because of his friends and, and who um the green goblin is i actually really like um the fact that the green goblin does offer him to join him like that it's not set it's not set that peter necessarily will follow uh, uncle ben's kind of uh wisdom that has been offered to him mm-hmm. that there is a chance and um, that uh, he will go a different journey i mean it's obviously a very slim chance uh <laughs> given uh the knowledge of the the character but it's still for it, it just adds a little bit extra and I, I think that's what's great about the the arc in this film for peter mm-hmm.
0: yeah and then i suppose I, I i'm gonna come in on this one so for me that the this character arc is tried and tested in so many ways. It it it's the it's the training monta- montage, if you will, of that that was popular <laughs> in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, I still got chills seeing that first scene where he starts climbing up the wall tentatively. He just sees the the spider the kind of spider talons come out of his fingertips mm-hmm. and then he's slowly crawling up faster and faster and he starts like that for me was st- like imagine being I suppose you don't have to imagine. Uh, some of our listeners were the same as me. A child sitting in the cinema, watching this, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Oh my god, they've made this character I love come to life on screen," and his get his character. Like, I know, I know. Like rewatching the films, like they are dated, and that's fine. Yeah. Like, like even the graphics are dated, but the, the story arc is the character arc itself is what makes this film special yeah yeah. it's the you you basically have given someone a you give him tragedy and it's he either breaks and uses this power for evil or you give him tragedy and he becomes the hero Mm -hmm. and that is what the two characters are so the tragedy of nearly losing his his business um and giving him powers causes psychosis and causes the evil to be ignited in the green goblin where he uses that power to then go and kill the rest of the board of directors and all this i think but then you give this you give power and tragedy to a child who has been pushed and taught that like with great power comes responsibility that you must help the weak and that arc then kind of propels spider-man through to become this the, the the friendly neighbourhood New York Spider-Man. Like, mm-hmm. oh, no, he like, he starts with the friendly neighbourhood, and then you're kind of going, well, you're actually out of Manhattan <laughs> and Brooklyn. So pretty much New York Island, just to say that, yeah. So yeah. all of the supporting <laughs> New York upper state is your uh, area. He's in all um,
1: of their neighbourhoods, yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: He's everyone's neighbourhood. Yeah. Um, but what it comes down to is that this character then goes on the journey of he he gets to a point where everyone loves him, and then you have the supporting character, which we we'll, haven't talked to much in this one, probably a lot more in the second one, Jay Jonah Jameson, who feels that in order to if someone is becoming too big for the bridges, they must be tore down. Yeah, and he literally tears down Spider Man while chewing be- up for-
1: the scenery. Amazing case. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs>
0: um, and I think it's just fantastic because it's so that he's given Spider Man has said they they did they don't love him they they don't want him to be there um a, a nice tidbit of information is because this film was um uh, was uh released after September 11th mm-hmm. uh the September 11th attacks in New York and there was a reshot where we see the the people of New York and um, throwing the garbage at the Green Goblin and he goes they're one of us. That was actually added in later. Yeah. Because yeah. they wanted to show the unity of people of New York.
1: Absolutely.
0: Same with the scene, the closing scene where Spider Man is attached to the flagpole with the the picture of the United or the flag of the United States. Yeah. That was added later again to show that how much of uh, how much of a unifying character he can be for new york absolutely um and i think that's it he gets to a point where he knows he's not loved by everyone but majority of the people of who he looks after the neighbourhoods, care for him they know he's doing right and that's kind of where we get to with spider-man he kind of goes from a nothing with to something yeah and i think that's kind of like Jack, do you have anything on this, or do you want to move to the
1: kind of final battle? I think we need to move to the final battle. Really, um, like you're you're absolutely right. This this character has a great arc. You can do the you can do the the hero um, the hero arc. It's a very standard arc, as you said, Chris. But you can do it with joy, and you can do it with love. And I really think Tobin Maguire embodies that image of a kid getting superpowers and just being completely joyous. I love even just that little touch where he's trying to get to fire the web shooters, uh, which he knows he can shoot them. But he's using all of the words from uh, from the DC comics. Did you notice that? It's like he's yes. using Kazam to try and throw them out. Up and away! Yeah, he's trying yeah. to use each of, the, uh, each of the things he's probably read in the comic books he's read. It's it's kind of cool. It just ties him to being a grounded kid. Um, but yeah, the arc is, is fantastic. But there's obviously going to be a big battle at the end. There's always going to be p- pitting the villain against the hero at the end. I like how separated they keep... Uh, Peter's storyline from um from Norman Osborne's storyline throughout the film. It's yeah. only really about the last last twenty-five minutes of the movie where the two of them start to go up against each other. Uh, which I think is a really good choice for the film. Then you can have two completely separate origin stories and have them culminate in one big battle at the end. Uh, yeah. I do think that is a bit of a weird moment when Norman asks uh Peter to join him. It's it's kind of an odd thing I can't really see how he would join him, but it's kind of, you're powered, I'm also powered, why don't we take over the city? Okay. Um. Didn't expect that he would ever do it. No,
2: but I mean, I, I think it... He's it, it, crazy. It, yeah, yeah, he's crazy, but he, he's also that, because he is, you know he's increasingly suspicious and then fi- realises that Spider-Man is Peter Parker, there's that element where he knows him. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't you? But it's just that The serum that he has used obviously has turned him mental. (laughs) Um, But I I think even with that, the idea that the final battle ends with Spider-Man bringing Norman back to his apartment and and laying him on the couch. Unfortunately for him, Harry walks in, sees that it is Spider-Man that's killed his father, or so he thinks. But that is just, you know, if you think of final big boss battles, that kind of idea is, is... something kind of really interesting, mm-hmm. that 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 tie-in of, of these central characters through just knowing each other um, in day-to-day life kind yeah. of thing. And I, I really, then obviously, it, you know, it jump boards everything off uh, for, for Harry and his kind of obsession then with the Spider-Man and just the relationship with Peter Parker. So I, I really like the idea that, you know, um, it was between these two um fighting it out but ultimately again um that Peter because of the mantra because of what he's bringing to to being Spider-Man um, and because he knows Norman that he decides to you know bring him back to his home to yeah. to lay him down You know, that's a fairly personal moment. I think uh, for a big final battle, which I think is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, again, fundamental to the Spider-Man character, he has to be real. He has to feel like somebody that is in your local neighbourhood. So yeah, the touch of the touch of uh, him personally knowing the Green Goblin and taking back to his son is yeah, it's it's the right right impulse for the film, definitely.
0: Yeah. So for me, I'm still torn about this film at the ending. Um, How
1: about so the, so it's a, it's a the
0: battle itself? Uh, that's, that, that's the battle, that's the issue I yeah. have. So
1: it's a and small enough battle. If you, if you compare it against something like the Avengers, which takes place in New York City as well, and that is things coming out of space to destroy the entire city and a bomb about to go off, a nuclear bomb about to go off to kill the entire city. So this is a much smaller battle.
0: Yes, yeah, it really is. It's, I, I can see your point there. For me, it was more the choice of dangling the, the, the school children versus MJ mm-hmm. like it's a, like that, that 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 was pretty much for me oh my god that's the culmination like oh my god he's gonna save the, and that amazing scene where he catches both of them mm-hmm. and then it dragged on for a bit and then they added that scene in and then it's okay let's go fight in this for some reason there's an abandoned broken building like factory where they can oh, that's overgrown in New York prime real estate yeah just yep. Yeah, so forget about that um, It Definitely was basically, film yeah exactly <laughs> it's the two of them beating up on each other so much on this like it just it went on for me slightly too long but I still love it in that okay I love it and I hate it I think it's probably this is very marmite for me right I <laughs> seeing Spider-Man be torn up and then that that, that image of him becoming the battle-torn Spider-Man mm-hmm. where his mask is half-ripped and all that, all culminating with a flip over, a, a speeding um, glider, yeah. and it's over. That for me was just like, oh, great. oh, oh, wow, okay. Like you just you basically have killed off for me what I considered one of the biggest characters yeah. in um, in the Spider-Man universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was it was bold for what Raimi did, but. It, it stopped so much potential for the number two and three, right. where you could have had the normal Osborne character. Yeah,
1: then. yeah, but kind of um, cool that they did set up uh, that we will possibly be getting Harry in that role. Uh, yes, that a good, a good yeah. choice as well. Yeah. Uh, and again, you know, this is a, a death of a villain. This doesn't happen very often anymore. Um, no, nope. there's usually nope. caught now. Yeah, um, but yeah, the death of the of the villain, and then the only person that witnessed it is. Peter Parker's Spider-Man, is the only person that witnessed the actual death. So, uh, yeah, leading to the leading to Harry thinking he's the one that murdered his father, which is a great, uh, great idea. And
0: where did he put all the the, the Goblin stuff? He, they, that's never answered, by the way. It, he just it, strips it him be. off the Goblin stuff.
2: No, it might be. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, okay, maybe not. No, sorry, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. After the battle, where did he put the? Yes, yeah, exactly. The suit. Yeah, yeah I feel he, hopefully he burnt
1: it in hell. That is one of the worst costumes I've ever seen in one of these movies. That is true. <laughs> I hate the goblin costume. Yeah. And I know it was, it was it was done with with the help of Willem Defoe. He was he was really into the idea of having a fully armored um green goblin. It it's still doesn't explain that helmet. Oh my god. Yeah. I don't understand. I I I get the idea of him being fully armored. That makes total sense. But that helmet where you can kind of see his face through the grill sometimes. Uh it, it, I don't know. It's a very odd idea for me. So hopefully, the, hopefully that's where Peter threw it in hell.
0: Yes, hopefully. But that's perfect. That brings us on just some notes, guys. Mm. So that's our top five. I wanted to. I, there's two beautiful kind of pieces for me in this, and um, that kind of show why I like Toby McGuire as spider-man mm-hmm. the first is the scene where he catches mary uh, mj and her lunch trays ah, yeah. so that's that's not cg that was basically there was 156 takes of toby Maguire with a, a tray and a sticky substance trying to catch all of them and he did it after 157 that is
2: amazing amazing it's tantric. It's really yeah. tantric.
1: <laughs> you would you would kind of give up after about 20 takes and go, can we not just draw in this stuff with the CGI budget at all or just skip the scene, right? No, 156 yeah. six takes. Let's let's keep going. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it was amazing. Fantastic.
0: And then um <clears throat> Toby Maguire started getting a lot of sinus problems in this film. Right. Because of the infamous upside down Kissing scene,
1: of course, yes,
0: which because basically of the the, the the huge amount of downpour in the rain, it started going into his silences and up his nose, oh, of course, and yeah. um, so he started getting <laughs> really sick after from the period of when they filmed that, but obviously that is now an infamous or or very famous or probably should say infamous yeah. uh, scene because it has been. So many other films have you taken it as a funny trope? Mm-hmm. It is used and called back to in each of the two other films. Yeah, uh, there yeah. is some form of upside down mm-hmm. kissing. Um, but yeah, that just I, I thought it was so funny that Toby McGuire started getting so sick for that one scene that Sam Raimi thought was terrible and has become now. So big it's and iconic. so
1: well known. Yeah. It's iconic. I'm so glad he went
2: through. And, it. and it's true. It, it, he didn't catch anything from Kirsten Dunst <laughs> in, in that yeah. scene. No the rain. cooties. No cooties. The rain. no cooties. It was the ring.
1: Exactly. Uh, one of the things for my notes uh, that I wanted to talk about was the cameos because yeah. these movies are well known for their cameos. We did have Stanley. Oh and- yeah. <laughs> we did have Stan Lee in X Men, but as John intimated there, yeah, one of the biggest cameos in this, for me as a as a WWF fan from the eighties, was the Macho Man Randy. Uh, Sam.
2: absolutely! Yes, I really Boso. Yeah, I really wanted Ric Flair to come in as well. <laughs> Woo! I <I'd> just do. <laughs> the the great face off with Macho Man oh, yeah. and Ric Flair, but it's great to see. It's great to see Randy Savage in there as well. Uh, one of the
1: other uh, one of the other ones, uh, obviously, as it's a Sam Raimi movie, and he was moving from the small time of uh, of Evil Dead movies, working with the main star of his movies, Bruce Campbell. He decided to take Bruce Campbell over, and Bruce Campbell gets a cameo in every movie. Like it's like as if he's. Um, Sam Raimi Stanley. So he gets a cameo, and a pretty sizable one in each one. He'd be, he's the stage announcer in the, in the ring in this movie, if you don't know who he is. Um, so he gets his, his little moment in the mm-hmm. sun there. And we also get a very heroic moment with Stanley, uh, where he gets to save one of the young kids at, the, uh, at the, um, one of the battles where there's. Uh, it's the parade, isn't it? It's the parade, right? the balcony collapsing and yeah. stuff, yeah. And Stanley gets to save one of the kids in there. So he gets a heroic scene yeah. as his cameo this time, which is quite cool. Not just a not just a gag.
2: And of course, we have Danny Elfman on violins um, and ghostly voices going. Oh. I know you could definitely tell it was a Danny Elfman. Definitely,
1: <laughs> probably a Very Batman much
2: so. or um, or Tim Burton, Tim. some yeah. character, Beetlejuice, yeah, hands, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jack Pumpkin, yeah, yeah. skin thingy <laughs> from uh, yeah that one. Nightmare Before Christmas <laughs> yeah
0: and then I suppose this was the, for me and I suppose the final note that we, before we go into whether we defend these ones is these had no post credit stings That's right
2: yeah thank goodness um, I suppose nah, it, like post credit scenes are brilliant but they're a slight overload certainly after Guardians of the Galaxy so this was kind <laughs> of refreshing that it didn't have one when watching it back because we did check and it was like oh no it didn't have one that's really novel now <laughs>
0: yeah exactly like the, i can't even remember which was one of the first ones to bring in the post credit i'm assuming it was iron man one um by john favreau uh, but we'll need to double check that but this for me was the interesting piece because it was like yeah they, they they didn't set up a second film um they just kind of let it go and it was like well you may get to see things happen but you may not yeah 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 mm. wait
1: and see Exactly. Um, post-credits things were almost things that happened at the end of the film, things that they would traditionally have. Things like the body of, of Norman Osborne being delivered back, Harry finding it and blaming Peter for it. Um, that would have been that, That's a Marvel post-credits scene, isn't it? Yeah. end on the high of Peter winning, and then you have something in the post-credits that lead to the next film. So that, that's what I think would have been the post-credits scene, if there was going to be one. Yeah,
0: no, and that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Let's do this. Let's see whether we defend... Spider-Man 2002 by Sam Raimi. Derek, do you defend this film?
1: Absolutely defend this film. It, this is a this is a classic to me. This is, you know, the, it it really delivered on everything I wanted this movie to deliver. And I can't unfortunately separate out the feeling it was that was there when I saw the movie the first time and the feeling that's there now when I see it. Uh, in the light of the rest of the films, this, you know, it's not as great as I remember don't get me wrong, but it's still a classic. There's some brilliant things in here. Honestly, I think the only real missteps in the film, one is the costume for Green Goblin, which I thought could have been better. And the second thing is that they took Peter Parker out of high school in the first hour of the movie and set him on the path to being an adult and going to find work that's the only thing that is a bit of a drag, especially knowing there's going to be two more movies where he's not in high school. There's so many stories yeah. that are that are there for him. I think that's why they're doing uh, the homecoming idea, the idea that Spider-Man's going back to high school now is because they skipped so much by putting him, out of, putting him out of high school. This is something that Stanley always says about the character. The character was supposed to be for kids who were in 14, 15 years old to identify with. And the minute you get him, trying to get a job and get an apartment and a place to live it does take a bit out of the character um but i think the casting in this is great i think the the interplay between the characters is great and the writing uh around all of them forming together a personal story in the superhero genre i think is really really good
0: yeah okay well thank you very much for that one john do you defend this film
2: oh i do I do defend this. I will give it four Uncle Ben's Rice out of five. Um, for me... <laughs> How did
1: we get through the whole podcast without a This
2: really <laughs> is... Um, I think I agree with Derek. It, it's a classic. Um, I remember seeing it in the cinema. Just, I bowled over. I loved the cinematic and the scope and just the massiveness of it. I mean, again, the CGI looks a bit ropey now, but at the time, seeing Spider-Man slinging through the, the skyscraper jungle of, of Manhattan and New York. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, I love the fact that it was Norman Osborn that was one of the main characters, uh, his villain. I loved how it all connected in with Harry, with MJ. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that, I think, as Uncle Ben and uh, Aunt May in terms of that origin and how that really sets um, Peter Parker Onto Spider-Man. I just think it's really, really good. I mean, and I think similarly with Derek as well, the, the two aspects with regards to the Green Goblin um costume and probably that idea. Although for me, uh, you know... I don't mind him coming out of high school, but I can see how that potentially changes the dynamics of Mm -hmm. of this character. And, I mean, again, I think for Sam Raimi, it's a bit like with, um, you know, this is a Ditko creation with Stan Lee. The other big one, obviously, Doctor Strange for... So... But you can see in the, you can see the love that Ra- Raimi has for this character absolutely. and how he treats him, how he frames him, how he makes it really iconic uh, from being on the side of a skyscraper to, um, you know, tonguing MJ in the rain. Uh, all of that kind of stuff uh, is really, really um, just a great love letter to this character. And I think the same way, say, that Scott Derrickson did with Strange. Absolutely, absolutely. But I think, who cares with my my view? Young Christoph? do you defend this Spider-Man movie number one?
0: I do, guys. I so do. And John, thank you for bringing up Strange. We <laughs> went a whole two episodes of this podcast without getting a Strange reference. But all Rose leads to Strange. But that's true. So Ditko making Spider-Man with Stan Lee on this was like. This character has been like... It's just been such a big part... Well, for me, growing up... But not for for many other people... Including Raimi... Um, So, as you said... I couldn't say about it... This is a love letter... Um, It's a love letter to... The origin... To... To a character who's... Was always going to have this... Duality of who he is... And that's why we get these two... Well, we actually get three stories... You get the, the Goblin story... The Peter Parker story and Spider Man origin, mm-hmm. and it just goes; it continues that way. There was originally some backlash around Toby Maguire being cast as Peter Parker and Spider Man, and I think this settled it as being no. This he he did embody at that point in time. He embodied who Spider Man was, Absolutely. leaving high school, going into his first foray into the Daily Bugle, etc. And I loved it. Like, I, I can't I can't say much more. Like, I seeing Spider-Man crawling and swinging for the first time on... Now, I'm not talking the 60s uh, Spider-Man or the Japanese Spider-Man live action. Yeah, they're two different things all together. But overall, this was the first big... St- the big piece for me, mm-hmm. and I loved it. I can't, I can't say anything more. Excellent, good, good way
1: to spend your birthday,
2: Chris.
0: Yes, it was a beautiful way to spend
1: my yeah,
2: birthday. Yes, Chris, you, you've loved it. You can't unlove it.
0: <laughs> yes, it's now forever in history because we've recorded it.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us, fellow Defenders. Really good to have you back with us for this episode of of our Defenders TV podcast. If you want to join us uh, and talk about Spider-Man or anything else coming up to the release of Spider-Man Homecoming or any of our episodes so far, uh, just send us some feedback to... uh, feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com or pop over and join us on our facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash defenders tv podcast you can also leave also leave us a voicemail over on our website at defenderstvpodcast.com a little voicemail button over on the right hand side if you want to share your thoughts about any of the spider-man movies in the tobin mcguire section or in the andrew garfield section or when you get up to see homecoming you can share your thoughts about that as well
0: thank you very much uh so don't forget Subscribe to us at DefendersTVPodcast.com forward slash iTunes, Leave rate us and leave a review. And also, if you are on any good and evil swinging in the neighbourhood of a podcast, uh Android podcast catcher, I should say, uh, don't forget you can get us there as well and you can leave reviews for us too. Guys, we're going to be back with Spider-Man 2 uh, to continue our Summer of Spidey retrospective with all things leading... Not too strange, but Spider-Man Homecoming Mm -hmm. in early July. And more importantly, as much as I love my Spider-Man, in truth, we are barreling towards The Defenders, which releases worldwide on the 18th of August. So make sure you are caught up on all of our other podcasts by that. They still have a couple of months, so make sure you fully understand our thoughts, loves, and reasons on Iron Fist. Luke Cage, Jessica Jones and
2: Daredevil so that's it Yeah, thank you uh, so much for for joining us as always and we will be back for Spider-Man 2 in our Summer of Spidey retrospective as well so thank you so much for listening and we will speak with you next time
1: talk to you next time Spidey friends
2: signing off bye
1: Signing off,
2: Chris.
0: <laughs> no, he says it in the th- animated series. Yeah, I think he said it. I don't know. I think something better.
2: Chris is swinging off into the distance on his um, webs.
0: Yes, webs. <laughs> can, can we use that? Like just that? Because now people just listen to the me going like this now and going, "Oh, that's weird." <laughs> Bye, guys. There you got some extra outtakes out of us before we even go.
2: Bye. 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 Bye.
1: Bye.